Thanks for tuning in to episode 10 of Listening to the Land podcast. This is a solo episode. I wanted to talk about the basics of what animism is and how we practice it. Animism is the practice of living respectfully within the living world. It is not so much a philosophy of mind as it is an encounter with an embrace of direct kinship with our local other-than-human kin. Our friend from Queer Nature, So, put it really beautifully recently in a post. Ecology is a study of place-based, multi-species relationships. Animism is a felt experience of them. They are two facets of the same thing. Animism is the bodily engagement with the world and living the understanding that the world is full of people, only some of whom are humans. It is about recognizing the personhood in many beings, from bears to boulders, snakes to stars, mountains to mites. So this understanding of personhood is not about projecting human qualities on the world, but in recognizing and experiencing the qualities that exist within and between them. A river is unique to themselves. Recognizing their personhood is about the encounter with their unique nature. A raven is unique in themselves. Their personhood is raven personhood. Animism doesn't limit life to the biological five kingdoms. I think Graham Harvey puts it really brilliantly in his Animist Manifesto. Here's a few snippets out of that. All that exists lives. All that lives is worthy of respect. You don't have to like what you respect. Not liking someone is no reason for not respecting them. Respecting someone is no reason for not eating them. He goes on to say, Animism is neither monist nor dualist. It is only just beginning when you get beyond counting one-two. At its best, it is thoroughly, gloriously, unashamedly, rampantly pluralist. Respect means being cautious and constructive. It is cautiously approaching others and our own wishes. It is constructing relationships, constructing opportunities to talk, to relate, to listen, to spend time in the face-to-face -face presence and company of others. It is taking care of, caring for, caring about, being careful about. It can be shown by leaving alone and by giving gifts. So I want to expand on that a little bit and say animism is a practice of respect. Respect means listening and waiting. Respect means asking for consent. Respect means humans don't come first. Respect means there are places humans shouldn't go and beings they shouldn't touch. So human centrism and believing humans are somehow the pinnacle of evolution is entirely contrary to animism. We are simply members of a complex living community. And if we stop to listen, we realize that mostly we have a lot to learn. Each being has their own culture, etiquette, and preferences. Approach them with care. Learn their ways and needs, especially those who sustain you directly, but even those who do not. Ecosystems can be persons. Parks can be persons. In that same way, you, as an ecosystem of many, many cells, bacteria, and viruses, are an ecosystem and also a person. So I want to continue to clarify some things. First of all, this animism that I speak of here is not the animism as defined by Edward Burnett Tyler, who is one of the main founders of anthropology. He used the term animism as a derogatory way of othering indigenous peoples and their life ways. He regarded it as an anachronism of primitive minds and cultures. But this is not what we're talking about here. 
we're reclaiming this word and redefining it. So this new animism is really redefining the word as an embodied way of living and engaging with the wild, local, multi-species communities around us. This is not an attempt to appropriate some indigenous cultural belief systems, but to genuinely navigate real, felt relationships with other-than-human kin. It is sincere, imperfect, sometimes even bumbling in the ways in which we attempt to learn how to live as a member of place. To live our lives with consideration with the goal of life-supporting regenerative practices based in the land where we dwell. Animism need not be contradictory to or in conflict with science. If science is the practice of asking questions and making good observations, then animism is the complementary practice of bodily engagement with our relatedness and our relatives. Science is a practice of the mind. Animism is a practice through the whole body. So what are some basic practices? Well, here's a short list. It's certainly not complete or perfect, but it hits some main points. So first thing that comes up is reciprocity. And Nathan and I have mentioned this a lot. The practice of give and take, of consideration of exchange that feels fair to both sides and that feeds both sides. Then there's the practice of gratitude, of giving thanks. And there's endless ways to do that giving thanks for the sun every day, or the rain, for the rivers and the air, for the sound of birds. There are so many beings, so many members of our community that we can be grateful to. Then there's the practice of offering gifts. And one of the simplest gifts we can offer is the gift of our attention, of our eyes and our ears and all of our focused senses focusing on one being and one, one element of the landscape. Our full engagement is a way of gifting our attention. And beyond gifting our attention, of course, there are many other ways we can gift. And I'm not going to get into too many details on that because I think that the appropriate gift has to come from a deep understanding and listening to the beings that you're giving gifts to. A few more quick things to add. Remember to be sincere be humble, learn to shut up. It's more important to learn to listen than it is to pretend you have some kind of magical spiritual powers. Learn empathy for all beings, especially those who you eat. Practice unlearning the imperialist colonial narratives of Western culture. And if you want to know more about that, I suggest checking out our episode on cosmology and how that shapes our beliefs, our relationships, and a lot more. Of course, animism is a practice of learning to be a respectful member of your community, and that includes your human community as well. You've probably noticed that Nathan and I often include a land acknowledgement, and I want to say that currently I'm recording from the land of the Snoqualmie tribe where I live, and it's really important for all of us participating in animism to find ways to honor and support our local indigenous communities. And it's very important to never appropriate any of their practices or beliefs. And find your own way to practice land acknowledgement. And one good place to start is actually, if you're a smartphone user or a frequent computer user, is to download the native land app or just look it up on Google. And if you click on it and then um, 
locate yourself on the map, you will see the tribal lands that you're actually currently on, which is awesome. I think it's very vital that no matter where you live, if you live in New York City or the Florida Keys or in the Yukon or you know in southern Mexico or wherever else you might be in North America or even South America, that you learn about the native history of that land and the indigenous peoples that once lived there as well as those that still live there now. Lastly, I want to say that there are many ways to be a practicing animist. You can practice animism through gardening. You can do it while helping propagate native plants or remove non-native plants. You can do it as a hunter or a fisherman. You can practice animism in many different ways. Some of my favorite ways are actually to engage with wildlife tracking, with bird language, to smell and learn about flowers, to forage for wild edible greens, berries, and mushrooms. So you still might be listening to this and saying, well, I've never done this stuff. I don't know where to start. And I think a, a great place to really begin the practice and to continue the practice, even if this is something you've done for a long time, is to approach your being whether they're a landscape or a flower or a wild animal and to announce yourself, to say your name and speak about your intentions and, and to acknowledge that you see and appreciate them. So one way that can look is one of the practices that I do as a nature connection educator is that when I am on my way to a landscape, whether that's a landscape I have encountered before and maybe we're already on intimate terms or maybe I am new to this location, I will deliberately make the space to say hello, to say my name and to speak the intention of what I'm doing there and who I'm bringing and why. And when I arrive to that landscape in person, I often try and make space at least for a couple minutes to go and connect to that landscape and very consciously say hello. I find this to be really powerful for a couple of reasons. One is it helps me to really arrive physically, mentally, entirely to that place. And the other is to allow for some exchange to happen with that landscape very consciously and to invite that landscape as a conscious participant. Right? So that requires you acknowledging the personhood of the place that you're at. I can give you a very specific example of a recent trip I did. I took a group of students, adult students, out to the sagebrush steppe of central Washington. And so as part of the preparation for arriving to a particular location where I was taking the class, I had reached out to that landscape and requested that uh, I could bring these humans in to engage intimately and to learn about the beauty and wildness of this specific location and this specific ecology. I also specifically reached out to rattlesnakes and politely explained that the intention of bringing students here was in part to connect with snakes which are just emerging for the springtime and especially rattlesnakes. I know that rattlesnakes have such a 
tremendously bad reputation and I really wanted to act as an ally to them. So I explained that intention and I asked that maybe we could have a encounter with them in a safe and respectful manner to everybody. And we were really blessed to get an opportunity to actually see and interact with four different rattlesnakes on that day. And for many of these adult students, this was the first time that they got to interact with rattlesnakes. And I think it made a really profound impression on them. And I also feel like it allowed all of us humans to engage with these rattlesnakes in a respectful way and to step into a form of allyship with them. So animism practice is deeply personal and very much individual. Another example of animist practice for me is my daily ritual of saying hello to the crows and the juncos as well as the aspen and the maples at my workplace in the city. This might seem ridiculously simple as a ritual, but it really brings a lot of joy to my day, and I take a moment to appreciate their beauty. I, I take a moment to acknowledge them, and honestly, I find that even in those brief moments, over time, those relationships are deepening, and I am more responsive and sensitive to them, and they are also responsive to me. So practicing animism doesn't require you to live as a hermit in a cabin in the woods. You can practice it anywhere you are. And in closing up this mini episode, I invite you to find your own way into animist practice. And you can use this mini episode as a basic template, as well as our previous discussions. And Nathan and I will continue to put out more episodes soon. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.